I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. This week we're doing 10 questions with someone in recovery and we're actually doing 10 questions with two people in recovery. I actually have a, uh, a couple in here and I have known both of them for quite some time. It's weird. We were talking before and one of them, I can't place how long I've known her, should be Cynthia. And I actually went to high school uh, with Robert for a year, and I have known him ever since. So, so I've experienced uh, them while they were actively using, and fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, they uh, were there whenever I was too. So how are you guys doing this morning? Doing well, thank you. Very good. So we're just going to jump right into it with the questions and kind of see... Uh, I know it's generally between a, like a 35-minute to 45-minute podcast, and I'm curious with two different people giving question, answering questions how this is going to go. The good news is, well, I think people will listen because I think you guys both have a lot of uh, a, a wealth of knowledge and have done a lot in your recovery since you guys have got sober. So why did you guys start using to begin with? I know for me, I come from a pretty broken family as a, as a child and dealt with a lot of rejection. And then I got involved with hanging around some of the wrong type of kids, I guess, and started getting in trouble in school. And um, mainly, I think that the, if I look back at it now, I think the main reason I started using this because I didn't like the way I felt. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I uh, was hiding from those feelings. So I started drinking and, and smoking pot and um, it just progressed from there. Okay. I started using, I was 26, and I was going through a divorce. It was a pretty horrible divorce. I just lost foster kids that went back into the system, and um, so I was pretty depressed and went out seeking something that was completely out of my control. So I started using. Met a guy and started using. Self-medication. Mm-hmm. So you started using it a, a much, much later in life then? Yes. Okay. So, uh, what made you decide to stop? I spent, uh, uh, until I was about 40, um, in and out of jails and institutions and, and uh, um, just had gone through a, a vicious cycle of losing uh, m- my family and my belongings over and over and over, my home over and over and over, and uh, just finally hit a point, I'm a, I'm a quick learner, it took me... It took me 27 years, but I finally hit a point where I was tired of losing and uh, decided it was time to change and do something different. Okay. Uh, with me, I have the court system, basically. The Stone County Drug Court system gave me an option. Either I faced 37 years or they took me in their program, and some of my charges included a conspiracy to form a meth ring and some other paraphernalia charges and drug charges and trafficking. and um, So... It was push comes to shove. Either you quit and you change your way of thinking or you continue going down the same path and you'll just end up in prison. So, 37 years. That's yeah. a minute. So what does recovery mean to you? 
like that word itself when you think about it? Recovery to me means um, a life change. Um, it means devotion. It means um, um, work. It means struggle, submission. Um, there's so many different meanings that it means to me that um, uh, happiness, you know, I've, it helped me find happiness. It helped me believe in myself and um, I surrounded myself with good people. So that's what encouraged me to go further. I never went back. There was no looking back. Once I started it, there was no looking back. So um, it's, I'm, I'm blessed to have the people that were placed in my life to get me out of that. Okay. So, for me, um, re- recovery is is kind of a a, a big thing. Um, it it means restoration to me. It means to to change the way that I think, act, and live. It means to no longer see myself as a victim, um, because the only person I was ever a victim to was myself. And the, once I realized that I wasn't a victim, then I could only be one other thing. If you're not a victim, then you're a victor. And so once I started realizing that I was a victor and I was victorious, um, it changed the way I think. And I stopped uh, playing the, the poor me, oh, woe is me, and stopped thinking so much about how I feel. Because every time I thought so much about how I feel, it, it had a chain reaction. Well, I feel this way, so I'm going to go use this. Or somebody did this to me, so I'm going to go use that. So it was uh, recovery, to, recovery to me. is It's kind of like it's got very biblical uh, principles to it, I believe, that goes hand-in-hand with scriptures of, of being born again. It was becoming back to the person that, that God created me to be because I've lost my weight. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I always say I, I think we were born to be great. You know, I wasn't born to be good. When I hear somebody, I'm like, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. And sometimes they settle for that. Mm, I agree. I don't think we should ever settle. I don't think we should ever stop trying to grow. You know, I think that, that literally we were made to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we sell ourselves short all the time. Well, I also mm-hmm. believe that I will be what I say I am. You know, so it, I think that starts it starts with little things like that when people say, how are you? Well, I'm, I'm great. I'm fantastic. Even if I don't feel like it, I should probably respond with something like that because if I... Uh, except that uh, poor me attitude of well I'm doing okay or my you know my dog left me or whatever you know right you start feeling sorry for yourself and then you start living to lower standards. I'm sorry your dog left you. That's, that's, cool. <laughs> that's very sad. You know right? That's I'm just like sad. oh my gosh, it made me cry a little bit. <laughs> Can't imagine. So sad. I mean dogs love unconditionally. If your dog leaves you, I mean that's that's a horrible <laughs> thing. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's something I mean, to I talk tr- about. <laughs> I offered it a steak and it just walked straight out the door. It was horrible. <laughs> just left me. Just left me. Didn't take much. <laughs> Took its bone and left. <laughs> but yeah, there's a book called The Secret. I think where they talk about that. They talk about the power of positivity, and you hear people mm-hmm. say you can speak things into existence. Sure. Yeah. And I would definitely agree, and I think that's a great point. If I want to be happy, I mean, I think that's where that fake it until you make it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Even I heard somebody say fake it until you become it, but I don't think we should fake it at all. Act I think. as if until you become as if? Yeah. <laughs> I think we are. I mean, literally, if I start my day off with a gratitude list and a big smile, and I say, yeah. you know what, maybe this happened, but the rest of my day is going to be a good day. The rest of my day, I'm going to deal with things better. Better, yeah. I agree. And I yeah. agree. I think it is all, all just a change of mind and a decision to, am I going to be thankful for the things I have, or am I going to be ungrateful for the things I don't have? Right. Yeah. You know, I had an interview earlier where we talked about that, and... Uh, she talked about how grateful she was for the things she has now. And I'm like, I think that's one of the things about recovery is in my use, it was all about the things I wanted. Sure. And in my recovery, it's all about the things I need. And I found that 
there's not a whole lot that I need, honestly. There's tons of things I want that I can get upset about, but man, I, I think in recovery, a lot of times we're just grateful mm-hmm. for those things we have. I don't have to be homeless. I don't have to be in jail. I don't have to run every time I see the police. I don't have to lie because I can't tell the truth to people. Right. Yeah. You know. Or you've lied so much that you don't remember what you lied about. That's confusing. Yeah. I can remember <laughs> lying to somebody and walking out and being like, why did I lie? Yeah. Like, if I would have told them the truth, it wouldn't have mattered, but yet I was so conditioned to lie back then yeah. that I'd lie even when it, telling the truth wouldn't have made any difference. Right. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, take that. Yeah. So, what were the things that got you into recovery to begin with? Like, was there kind of that... uh that moment where it was like, okay, I can't continue to do this anymore. So mine would have to be, um, I was beaten up and I had some broken ribs and kind of a little fractured skull type thing, black eyes. Um, and one of the Stone County police officers was like, Cynthia, how long are you going to keep doing this? As I'm in the back seat, going to jail, begging him to let me have the shots out of my pocket or out of my purse that he had up front, <laughs> you know. And he was like, how long are you going to live like this? He goes, I know you from before you were a nurse, you were successful. How long are you going to live like this? And that was like a wake-up call on the way there. I was thinking, like, how long am I going to do this for, you know. And so I got out 30 days later, and um, one of my friends said to me, so have you picked out what you're going to wear to your funeral? And I went, what are you talking about? You continue walking down the same exact path that you're going down. You better lay it out for your mom because she's going to put you in something you don't want to wear. You know, and that kind of hit home as like my mom's going to have to bury me because I'm making stupid decisions, you know. And so that was my turnaround was like, fine, I'll submit to drug court. I'll do what they ask of me, everything. And I, I literally did. I gave my all put my all into it. I had some days that I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then they remind me, you've got 37 years. This isn't like you get to go for 120 and be forgiven and come back. You have 37 years and that's it. So I didn't really have an option, you know. Well, you did. It was just a really crappy one. I did. (laughs) And I I was, it was given to me like, I dare you. And so I took the dare like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll walk it out. You know, and I did. I walked it out. So... And my life has been great since then, so to look back. But my main decision was my friend was, uh, uh, it just happened to be the person that turned me in. But uh, they're my lifesaver now, you right. know. Um, but my friend at the time was like, how long, how long is it going to take for you to keep doing this? And did you pick out your outfit yet? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that was a big turnaround for me. For me, I think it was just being in a jail cell uh, three years ago for the last time. Um and after you know a couple of weeks, the drugs are out. Start to get out of your system for the most part, and then you get this flood of emotions that come back in that you've been hiding from and running from for so long. And it just broke me, and I was tired of running. Um, I was tired of running for the law. I was tired of running for myself. I cheated, robbed, and lied and stole from everybody that meant anything to me, including my parents. Everybody had every right to turn their back on me forever. Um, except for one lady from the church who'd been speaking life into me for years, and she was always telling me, Robert, you can do this. Robert, you can make it. She's like, um, you know, you're, you're not an addict. You're not a victim. And she kept saying those things to me for years and, and kept uh, speaking wisdom and, and life into me. And um, she believed in me. And uh, yeah. that was a, a big turning point, you know. And 
and I just kept talking to her and kept listening to her and kept calling her and, and kept getting advice from her and started reading my Bible and um, you know God really started speaking to me and the truth is that he'd been chasing me for years you know and he finally had my attention in a place where there was no distractions right that's kind of big yeah you know it I always say that was one of the things that helped me is when I had people in my life that loved me when I didn't love myself and I had people who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I had people who saw the best in me when I saw nothing good yeah. Yeah. in me. You know, I, I think for, for listeners, that's who we can be for people, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember having a girl that graduated from treatment court uh, years ago. And when she gave her graduation speech, it was really, really short and really sweet for me. Um, it was sweet for me. I'm not saying it was sweet for anybody else, but she got up and she's like, you know, I just want to thank my counselor because he's the first person who ever told me I didn't have to use anymore. You know, just to have somebody, she said, because everybody else in my life was like, you're going to be just like your mom. They knew my mom. They'd been around my mom and everybody said I was going to grow up to be just like her. And to have somebody say, man, you can do this. You're your, you're not your mom. You're yourself. You're your own person and you can do whatever you set your mind to. Right. You know, God, there's a little, so much power in people. I remember a, a, a couple of years before I stopped using, um, my grandfather's wife had, uh, she said to me one day, she's like, Robert, she's like, you never really had a chance from the, from the get-go, and then everything you did only made your life worse. And that just really, it really struck me. You know, she was right. I mean, smoking cigarettes was killing me. Right. You know, everything I did was making my life worse. I hadn't done anything to help myself. And so just a lot of people planted seeds along the way, you know, and, and they didn't uh, take root right away, but they were planted and, and stuff came out of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a guy, his name is uh, Gregory Kokel, and he writes apologetics books. <clears throat> but when he talks about meeting with people, he's like, I know I'm not going to change somebody's mind when I first meet them, but I want to throw a pebble in their shoe. Absolutely. That every once in a while they're going to step on and be mm-hmm. like, oh, remember what that's he good. said? Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So in early recovery, what what was the the thing that helped you stay abstinent the most? Like, well, is there one thing that you can be like, you know, this is the thing that really helped me through in the very beginning? I don't think I can say that any one thing did. It was kind of a conglomeration of things. I, I guess if I was to peg it to one thing, I don't think I could. But okay. The biggest, What's a couple? The biggest <laughs> thing would be would be staying away from people that used. And the second biggest thing was was to just become active. I become active in, in my church and and with my church family, and I, I went to meetings even when I didn't have to. I, I wasn't required to. I, w- I would go anyway. Like there was a class that I graduated from, but I, I kept going back every week just because I liked, I enjoyed giving feedback and stuff. Um, so those things, and, and I also believed that um, physical exercise was was a great replacement for addictions too because it releases the same endorphins. Uh, um, that give you that nirvanic feeling that, that that drugs do, so I believe that you know mind, body, and spirit. And I started. I figured I, I tore I tore down the temple for forty years, so it was time to start rebuilding it. And I just made the best of it. I started going to school, started working out, you know, became active in in church, and and just changed my people, places, and things for lack of a better term, kind of cliche, I guess, but it's true. It works. Right. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Cynthia? Mine would be that, I mean, I literally surrounded myself with people that wanted me to succeed. And the one person, if they came across me sideways, basically saying that they didn't have faith in me or believe in me, they weren't all in my life. Um, 
the negativity, power positive thinking was really instilled in me. So I have a lot of credit to give to Peeps and, you know, Tammy and just people that kind of held my hand until I could do it myself. Right. You know, they, they all believed in me. Rhonda Burke, man, that lady, she had a lot of faith in a lot of people. And when I sat with to interview on the interview process just to get out of jail, she was like, you don't deserve this. This isn't your life. You know, this isn't where you're going to be forever. So start thinking of the things that you want to be when you get out. And that's what I did was I was like, okay, I'm getting out. I'm going to be sober and I'm going to be the best grandma I could be and the best mom I could be and the best daughter I could be, you know, because it was those were people that I had let down already. I mean, my grandson was three and I'd be like, you want to go to the corner store? And by that time he started crying because he knew that TT was going to change. There was going to be a change after the corner store visit. So, right. you know, so, but yeah, positive people. Yeah. have a lot of impact in my life so yeah I think you guys both mentioned that actually mm-hmm. I think it's huge to have people that believe in you I heard uh and, and I know I say this all the time on the podcast but I because it, it stands out to me so much I remember hearing a speaker once say you show me your friends I'll show you your future mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's so accurate I mean if we hang around with knuckleheads we're probably gonna do some knuckleheaded things guilty by association you know sure. and if I hang around with people that are positive and whose first solution isn't here take this right I'm probably going to learn how to deal with my problems. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you mentioned something else that uh, that stands out. I've never worked with somebody in my life, and, you know, I mean, I was a therapist for eight and a half years, and never once did I work with somebody who was like, my kid is so dumb. Everybody I worked with will tell me how smart their kid is. Yeah. You know, I can't believe how smart my kid is. And yet they're like, but he doesn't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, really? If your kid is so stinking smart... Yeah. I'm pretty certain he knows exactly what you're doing. He may not know why. Right. You know, I remember a mom that talked almost exactly what you talked about just now. She said, uh, I, I was in a bad mood once, and she said, my five-year-old came up to me and said, go to your room. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I, I looked at my five-year-old, and I was like, what? And my five-year-old said, go to your room, because you always come out of your room in a better mood if you lock the door. Mm. Oh. So they didn't know what was going on in there, but they knew that whatever happened when mom went in the room and locked the door, she came out in a better mood. So, I mean, kids are so perceptive and they're sponges and they're going to want to be just like you and grandkids that love their grandmas are going to want to be just like their grandma and little brothers and sisters that are just that, that love their big brothers and sisters are going to want to be just like them and their friends, you know, and it's amazing that. We don't really think of that right. when we're actively using, you know. Yeah. So now, what's the one? What's the most? What's the most important thing you've done for your recovery? Kept it. Okay, break that down a little bit. <laughs> so, what's helped you keep it? Uh, going, <laughs> basically, um, I really put myself into going to church and and submission and um, service. acts of service really I mean we would make coffee and serve people and you know so if if I can tell somebody my story and they get one thing out of it they'll get that either I was an act of service or I, or I put myself through to go to church basically and I disciplined myself to go to church so um, a lot of that is that 
even if I don't know what the, the pastor has said on Sunday night, you know, I know that in about three weeks it's going to click and it's going to hit me and be like, oh, that's what he meant. Right. You know, and so um, I just put myself in going, in, you know, I made myself um, follow the rules and read the Bible and, you know, research in the Bible, which is something that I just started doing recently. You know, one word, I've been stuck on the word restoration for two years now you know but we've actually like been breaking it down for the last three weeks but we can't get off that word restoration you know that's us that's why is because we live it and we know what restoration is all about we do it in our work and we do it in our home and so you know um we just digging deeper is the main thing that i've done this whole time to keep me sober is or or clean or however in recovery however you want to say it you know i'm just I'm a follower of Jesus. <laughs> Do you think? I don't know. You could be stuck on the word restoration because, honestly, I don't feel like I was restored. And here's why I would say that. Uh, to me, when I restore something, I take it back to a previous better state. Mm-hmm. I mean, my earliest memory is being molested by a babysitter. I don't think I want to be restored. Right. Now, maybe restored back to what I was originally created to be. Sure. But I don't know if I've ever been what, I've never been what I am today. And I'd be willing to bet, especially like you talking about the stuff you went through as a kid, you're probably much better today than you've ever been in your entire life. So you've not just been restored. I mean, you're, because restoration is taking it back to a previous state. Sure. I don't, I mean, I I understand where you're coming from, but but I think the way that, that we've been looking at it is we looked it up the other day and one of the synonyms for restoration was to, to, uh, um, not not just to rehabilitate, but to, to remodel was one of them, which is kind of funny because that's what we do for right. a living. We're remodelers. Yeah. And so in remodeling, I go and I, I take something that's worn down and beaten and, and it doesn't look all that good. And I usually have to break it down. And uh, a lot of times I have to get rid of it completely. But there there is definitely a demolition process of, of breaking. And then we re, we rebuild and restore and we remodel it and it becomes... Just as good, almost just as good as before, if not as if not. A lot of times it's better, isn't it's not it? Better, yeah. Because so, you take a bathroom and all of a sudden you got a hot tub in there where there was never a hot tub before. Right. Yeah. So we 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 take That's something old and ugly, like like here's an illustration. We take an old ugly, uh, pink or or baby blue bathtub surround shower. And we take it out and we build this beautiful custom shower with tile and all this stuff and a bench and you know rain faucet and stuff so it's way better than it was before um and that's kind of what god does with us you know he takes he takes our broken lives sometimes he breaks them even more gets rid of all the garbage and then he restores this thing that's really beautiful and for for us that's kind of i like that analogy what restoration is all about okay i like the remodel concept i never really looked at restoration that way yeah so i I get to learn stuff. I like that. Yeah. yeah. There's always that <laughs> breaking and, and, and demolition that, that comes. And, and we, we live that in every every area of our lives. We're seeing, you know, God's doing something in us that you know, needs to be, um, it needs to be remodeled and restored. And and so sometimes it hurts. Right. You know what I mean? But it's a necessary thing to get it out of you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Ah, thank you for that. I feel edified, educated. <laughs> so... Is there one thing that you do every single day that helps you maintain your recovery? Um, I just try to, to uh, uh, give back, to reciprocate it. And um, 
because it's it, there's the old cliche too. You gotta give it, give it away to keep it, and it's it's very very true. And also, um, you can't just talk to talk because a lot of people talk to talk and they don't they don't walk to walk. And uh, people aren't stupid. They see that they don't respect that. But if you walk to walk and talk to talk, then there's gonna come a point in their life when when they're gonna go, man, you know, oh, what was he yeah. what was he doing? Because I need I need some of that. I need his help, you know. And then you want to be there for him. It's like like. Uh, um, when I quit smoking, you know, uh, I wanted to be able to say that I put it down and never went back and touched it again. I wanted that testimony right. so that I could share that with others. Um, but, um, yeah, just being able to uh, being able to say that I walk the walk and, and talk the talk, um, to me, means a lot. And um, I just want to help people and, and give them a hope that, that, hey, man, there is something better. You don't have to be stuck in that lifestyle. I think what what you say is important about not just talking it but walking it. I know there's people I've seen sober people and looked at their lifestyle and I'm like, why would I want to be sober if that's what recovery looks like? I don't think I want that kind of recovery. And I know we're not supposed to work other people's programs, but I joke I used to get paid to work other people's programs. Sure. <laughs> you know, but yeah. there's there's a difference between that being abstinent and being in recovery. And I think sometimes people get that confused. So they still have the same shattered life, mm-hmm. but they're not actively living. And to me, recovery, uh, to use a remodel term, I mean, you know, and to quote a rap song that I'll only quote a small portion of. But, you know, from the window to the wall, remember? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's everything. If you go in to create a new bat, and you know, a new bathroom, you don't just take down one side of you know, well, we're just going to take out one side of this bathtub. I mean, you've got to take out the entire thing and then rebuild sure. in there. Yeah. And that's what recovery is, too, is it's rebuilding everything. And then we recovering out loud. I love that you guys do that. I mean, those are the people that I'm trying to get interviewed for these podcasts. Yeah. Is not people that sit around uh, in meetings and or sit around with a therapist and talk about their recovery and then never go outside and share that with other people. I want people who are who are living their recovery out loud so everybody yeah. sees it. Yeah. So, so what about you, Cynthia? Is there one thing that you do every day that helps you maintain your recovery? Well, when I started into recovery, I thought my first day in sobriety, in recovery, was the best day of my life. You know, and so I always came up with the I I want to be I want to be better tomorrow than I was today. I'm the best me at day one. At that day one, I was the best me that I'd ever been my whole life. That's my like motto is right now today I'm the best me I've ever been in my whole entire life. And I mean yesterday I I learned from yesterday, so today's different, you know. And then tomorrow will be the same, and I. Uh, it's just that never look back theory, you know, is that if I'm striving for excellence tomorrow, then I got to strive for it today, you know. So that's just what keeps me kind of grounded, I guess, is that I'm, I know what that's like. I've been there and I can pick it out. I can pick you out from a crowd, you know, but it's only because I know I've been there, you know. Right. So it's the theory of I'll be better tomorrow than I was today. That's what. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I see so many people that try to compare themselves to other people, and I guarantee you I can always find somebody doing way worse and somebody doing way better than I am. Yeah. So, and I probably make crappy other people, too. Like, like I'd make a really bad Robert, and I'd not make a good Cynthia, <laughs> but I make a pretty decent me, right? Know, that's all your, your shuffle, not right for Cynthia. <laughs> 
And uh, I don't know, I've stood on couches and threatened people before, I'm just saying. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but, but I used to compare myself to other people. I think we do that a lot, you know, and it's really easy to get depressed and sad there because there's always people. Sure. And I think social media has made it even worse. Because nobody puts pictures of themselves when they're in the fetal position crying in a corner because they don't feel like they, they're worth anything. That's right. Instead, it's a, they always talk, all the pictures are when they look good, right? They're nailing their hairs on point. My hair's got to be on point right. before I put a picture up. I've got an illustration for that. So I've, I've been going to school online for a little over a year now. And, you know, I'm quick to post my grades when they're A's and B's, but I just got a D minus in accounting. And I guarantee you, you won't see a picture of that on Facebook. <laughs> right? <laughs> but we do. We want people to think that we're doing better than we are. And it's kind of it's kind of sad, really. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I always tell people I'm eternally optimistic. And I'm only optimistic because I know even if my life sucks today, what I have in store for me in the future. Yeah. You know, because days are going to kick our butts. Mm-hmm. You know. And uh, I don't know, until the moment I can walk on water, which I've done. I mean, I grew up in North Dakota and we used to play hockey. I mean, I guess, I mean, the lake could freeze over. So I guess I've walked on water before, but (laughs) sometimes that ice grows really thin Mm -hmm. and I fall through. I can't continue walking. Right. right? And I think sometimes people want to project this perfect lifestyle. Sure. And recovery is anything but perfect. In fact, uh, in some ways it's worse now. You know, I mean... What do they say? The best thing about recovery is you get your feelings back. Mm-hmm. The worst thing about recovery is you get your, your feelings, feelings back. back. Yeah. You know, because now I don't have something to buffer or make me feel better artificially. Right. Sure. It's harder. You know. So I think recovery is definitely harder, but it's worth it because at least if I deal with it head on, it's, it's not easier. there tomorrow when I sober up. It's yeah. easier. Right? Yeah. Because if I have a problem today and I drink or use to escape it, when I come down or sober up tomorrow, guess what? Still there. Still there. Still there. Yeah. It's not worse than it was. <laughs> it generally is, actually, yeah, because yeah. we don't just stay intoxicated for a day. Right. You know, we go on week, month long, year long, yeah. 10 year long runs, and now it's not just that one problem we didn't originally deal with, it's everything else we haven't dealt with since then, That's too. Right. That's right. You know, it's amazing when we were little kids, we thought we could just run away from problems, you know. My, I remember my, burning my little sister. We, we had a fire, and I was burning uh, a milk jug. Uh, we lived out in the country with my grandparents, and they had a fire pit. We burned all the trash, and some of it dropped on my sister. And I remember just taking off and running. Like, oh, run away from it. I won't get in trouble. <laughs> like, and, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and that's kind of what drugs do. I mean, it's like, just run away, and it'll never catch up. But it always catches up. It you know. It's a fact. <sighs> Unfortunately. So... Uh, what is it that keeps you from going back to your old behaviors? Jesus. You need to say that in church lady voice. <laughs> like Satan. Jesus. 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 <laughs> Jesus, is it? No, um, no really. Um, I know for a fact that if I were still in active addiction, I'd be dead. Um, because my mouth would have gotten me in trouble or my acts of me thinking I was 10 foot tall just to collect some money, you know, I mean, that's a big deal. So, um, I know that I would be dead right now if it weren't for Jesus and a pray mother, you know, my mom praying every day to keep me safe and sober me up and, and through whatever extreme it was, you know, so, um, 
but on a daily, I'm at the point now to where I don't even think about it. You know, I, I used to have some dreams of using, I have one or two every now and then, but I know who I am today. You know, I don't want to lose my car. Before it didn't matter. Go ahead, take the car. I don't want to lose my house. I don't want to lose my dog, my husband, my daughter again, my grandkids again. You know, right. I don't want to go through all that. So to fight to be better and to stay clean and to stay in recovery and to stay um, on the on the right path is a way easier fight than to fight for my car and my kids and my relationship and my mom and, you know, all that stuff. So... Yeah, so they used to talk about the concept of playing the tape through to the end, or thought surfing. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, Do that all the time. Where, okay, well, wait a minute. So if I were to have a beer with you, mm-hmm. now I'm going to have multiple beers, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to end up doing shots. And then I'm going to start buzzing, and I don't like the way I feel when that happens, so I'm going to find some powder. Yeah. It's going to take it away, and if I find some powder, I want to probably see if it's any good, so I'm going to break it down and see if it's any good. And if I break it down, then I'm going to have to shoot it up. Yeah. And if oh, I shoot no. it up, then I'm probably going to go on a run, and if I go on a run, I'm probably going to lose this and this. And, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There, so. is no, there is no happy medium. It's go hard or go home. Yeah. I mean, you either go hard or go home in life, or you go hard or go home in drugs. And either way, you, you know, you have... What side of the road are you going to pick? So uh, I choose to go hard in life. <laughs> yeah, I can't do moderation. Mm-hmm. It's why I have a 40, why I'm wearing 42-inch jeans is because <laughs> now I don't eat in moderation. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that there's some people that, I have friends that socially drink. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people, right. you know, and I've just had to come to realize that. Yeah. So how about you? I believe that God showed me after 27 years that I was just a walking dead man and I wanted to live and I you know anytime in in the past three years a little over three years see November 1st be four years that I've thought back on uh, or would have a a thought about using I would just do like you did and replay it in my mind and well if I do this this is going to happen if I do this this is going to happen and I'm not going back you know, you get tired of losing it enough. You, you learn once you learn that fire burns. You're not likely to stick your hand in right. it. Right. You know, yeah. some of us it takes longer to learn. Yeah, I know some people in recovery that that talk about it, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm thinking of going to strip club," and I'm like, uh. "What positive has yeah. ever came out of a strip t- strip club other than maybe a pregnancy test or a test at the clinic?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> other than that, or your UA. Yeah. You know, other than those things, what what positive has ever happened? Or what positive has ever happened at a bar after 10 o'clock? Right. You know, have you ever made a business deal that was legal? You know, um, honestly, you know, I think <laughs> literally if we look at those things and go, okay, so if I do this, what's going to happen? I think that'll answer a lot of our questions. Yeah. yeah. That's something I didn't do when I was younger either. It was a... I never thought about the consequences of my actions. I just did it, you know. I have a 12-year-old son and a 6-year-old daughter. And my wife hates when I talk about it, but I've had to talk to her about the fact that I'm pretty certain my son will probably have to walk my daughter down the aisle. Because of all the damage I've done to my body, I don't know if I will live long enough to see my daughter married. Mm -hmm. I never thought about that. In fact, I never even thought about kids. I thought about right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, that's why I hate just for today, um, because I don't want to think about right now. I want to think about my future because uh, I didn't used to think about my future at all. And that's why I did all of the things I did today. I just cared about my pleasure and right now. Right. You know, 
<sighs> Playing that tape through. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they talk about the gifts of recovery. What have those gifts been for you? What are those positive things that have changed in your life since you found your recovery and stepped into it? Well, I would have to say um, relationships. I mean, Robert and I, we know the same people in the same circle, but we never met in our addictions. I mean, a lot of times we even lived in the same home <laughs> after each other, you know, in the same place. So, um, but we never met each other in addiction. So to save that relationship. The same home? The trailer by Taco Bell in Branson West. We both lived there. so <laughs> almost, almost back to back. Yeah. So, wow. So, but I mean, you know, we were that close in our circle. Our circles were that close, but they never, we never met. And that's a, there's a reason for that, you know. There was a plan. God had a plan for us, and it's uh, what it boils down to is that our plan is to make our relationships better. I've never had, I've had long-term relationships. I mean, I've only had six relationships my whole entire life. They've all been long-term, you know, so, um, but they've never been a good one. Right. I've never had a good one that's not been abusive, that's not been drugs, that's not been drinking, that's, you know, I've never had a good one. So, um, God had a plan when he kept us away from each other and some of it was, you know, slinging the same dope at the same time, you know, with the same people. So, or my, when I was in the position, you know what I mean? So God had a plan for us and it was to, to rebuild and he promised to make all things new. He has made all things new and then some. So we have a bigger home. We have nicer cars. We have happier families like our moms trust us, which is huge. You know, um, a relationship, our married relationship is better than we've either had by ourselves or, you know, any other relationship right. ever. So we just, um, all things are new, you know, that's what we have to look forward to. Lifelong. <laughs> Life and more abundantly. Yeah. By far. Yeah. He's like, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> carbon copy what she said <laughs> honey i couldn't have said it better that's why we're together i mean everything that i've lost has been restored and then some there's yeah. that there's that word again restoration. right yeah yeah and it just keeps getting better so you guys never knew so you guys your relationship started after you guys got so we never, we never knew each other in our addictions which was weird like she said because we Knew a lot of the same people. And this isn't a huge community either. Mm-mm. No, you know. I mean, it's not. It's a very small circle around here. And for us to have known as many of the same people with running the same circles as we had and never have met, it's really odd. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, so if you could travel back in time. Right? And uh, talk to yourself the day before you used. What would you say to yourself that you think might make a difference? Or would something you could say make a difference? I personally, I don't think anything. I mean, you can't tell people anything. You know, you can try, but they're not going to listen to you. Um, unfortunately, you know, human beings being basically the most intelligent species on the planet, we only learn by making mistakes. And until we walk that road and figure it out for ourselves... We're not going to learn, but if you can get somebody to make it seem like their own idea, then you've got something. Right. Um, but I don't think I could, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have listened to me. I didn't listen to anybody, you know. So do you agree or disagree? Well, I think um, 
I think that's a loaded question because I think that I've learned so much since 2006 that if I would trade it or to say it was a regret. I wish we could. I mean, there were some things that I would have done different, but I've met great people. I am a great person today, so I, I believe. And I mean, I wouldn't have the experiences that I have. Those are good points. You know, that I, that I, I mean, I walked through, I was an assistant midwife. I was a pharmacy tech. I was a nurse. I mean, I was a dental assistant, everything. Holy cow. Everything. Yeah. I mean, hats you had on. I mean, I, uh, I was, I served many, many ways and, you know, I was all about serving people, but it was in a different way. And then I right. got into my addiction and I still served people in my addiction, you know, and then now that I'm out of my addiction, I'm still serving people. But I'm doing it different, you know. So to say that if I could say one thing, um, first of all, I was 26 years old and a hothead. There was no way that anybody could have said anything to me that would have said, stay home, don't go to the bar, um, especially at, right after a divorce. And then um, I, I think the person who I am today, I have no regrets of my past, really. Um, it was a long, hard, the hardest road that anybody could ever choose for themselves. But it was my choice that I put myself there, and it was my choice to get out of it, too. You know, so uh, to go back and say something, I don't think that, I think it's a very loaded question. And I wanted to add that. We, we work with a lot of people in recovery, all three of us do. And, and there's a lot of people that our hearts really go out to and we get close to and and we want so bad to help them. We want their recovery and, and their sobriety more than they do. Um, and there's and salvation, we always try so hard to find the right things to say, the wise things to say, to speak life into them and encourage them. And usually it, to, it's seemingly to no avail. Um, they're going to do what they want to do. Um, I, I, I desperately wish that there was something that, that could be said, that could have been said to me that would have kept me off that path. Yes, it, I wouldn't be who I am today, and, yet, and and if I wasn't who I am today, then I wouldn't be able to reach out and help those other people right. that I can. So um, I, I, I realize that, but I, at the same time, there's a lot of suffering that I, I didn't want to go through and wouldn't want to go through again, but those sufferings weren't for me. They were for somebody else. Right. Yeah, I think that's one of the neatest things. I think it's why, in some ways, I like being a peer uh, better than I did a therapist. Uh, and maybe, and I could have applied this when I was a therapist too, but I didn't realize it. I don't think is because back then I was an abstinence only guy. And now I tend to be more of a harm reductionist where today I will meet you where you're at. And if somebody is like, well, you know, I don't want to stop using, okay, then what do you want to do? And let's work on the goals that you want. Because what I found is if I meet people where they're at and we focus on their goals that if there does come a time when they decide they want to stop using, I'm going to be the first person they come to. Yeah. Because here's this person who's treated me with respect and they actually care about me and they haven't tried to force their values on me. And then all of a sudden it's their idea. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it doesn't work any other way. We just try to love them through it, you know. I mean, there's certain, certain places we're not going to go with them. Right. But we want to be there for them when they're ready. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, both of you, if there's one thing that you would like to, to leave our listeners with, what would it be? Don't be afraid to reach out. No matter what. If it's 
um, reaching out to a church, a peer, um, a family member, anything. Don't be afraid to reach out because there's laws of protection now and all that stuff that if you're in danger or if you're hurting or if you need help, if you need a listening ear, there's so many things in place that the community knows about that I would just say don't be afraid to reach out. How about you, Robert? Don't give up. It's not too late. Um, if I can do it, anybody can. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that God loves you. And I think if we could understand that one concept, it would just change everything. Okay, well, thank you guys for your time. I appreciate it. And listeners, thanks for listening in. Hope you got as much out of this as I did. And I hope you have an amazing week. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's the Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Do you like pop culture? I do. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, Andrew. Oh. If you enjoy movies, television, all that kind of stuff, uh, we have a lot of fun on Sif Pop Podcast, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. So you can come check us out every week. You can listen live or just download it to your podcast feed. Every single week, Aaron breaks down the newest movies that are big in theaters, and I make funny noises. <laughs> you could probably pick one of those that you would like. You can join us every weekend live by looking at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA, or you can find us in your podcast player of preference by searching for Sift Pop.